Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Colter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. High school state playoffs for football starting this weekend, Friday and Saturday, fully loaded. And uh, we go down the bitter room, talk to Bryce Carver, the head coach of the Hamilton Bronx, for our coach's corner. It is to tell new one, it is 102.9 ESPN Radio, and it is SWX Montana Television across the state. Howdy, good to be with all of you. Uh, if you would uh, like to call, 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. If you missed anything, anything at all, in the first hour of the show, you can listen on the podcast. The Tutel Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, listen to the podcast on your time, on any platform you would like. They got it for you. Podcast available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Also, if you'd like to listen live, you know, keep up in real time. 
you can do so on the website, 1029ESPN.com. You go there and you listen to the stream. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Speaking of, time now for our Opportunity Bank Coaches Corner. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And for this one, we go down the Bitterroot to the head coach of the Hamilton Bronx football team. They are 9-0. and They are the number one team in the state at the Class A level. Bryce Carver joining us as they get ready for their game against Sydney on Saturday. And Bryce, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Let's start with the regular season. You guys go perfect. 9-0. and One of those was a forfeiture the first week but eight and oh in games that you actually played on the field what did you see over the course of this season from your team beyond just the wins though what growth did you recognize yeah you know we we started off with uh two real good wins uh on other bitter teams here in the valley and um you know then we went into dylan and frenchtown and uh, you know every game we just had another another good team coming either hit down to hamilton or we were headed somewhere so uh, you know, we started off that Dylan game, played extremely well, um, you know, and, and ended up kind of winning pretty pretty decently in that game. And, and you know, played played good and then went to Frenchtown and probably didn't play as good as we did the week before. And, um, you know, they were, they were good enough that uh, it, it was scary there for a bit. We ended up escaping out of there. And I think after kind of that little, um, I don't know if it was a setback or just, just we didn't play how we wanted to. Uh, I think we've been just growing every week and, and just getting better and, and, you know, working towards kind of this playoff picture and, and hoping to make it another three weeks here. The Southwestern A, tough as always, but this year I remember you know, early on in the year looking and watching Frenchtown and you guys and and uh, Dylan and thinking, man, those have to be three of the better teams in the state, and here we are now, just an eight-team playoff field, but all three teams, all three top teams from the Southwestern A make it into the bracket. So how much do you think just the early season trials prepared you guys for this playoff run? Yeah, I think it's good. You know, you you obviously want to have some competition and some really good games throughout your season so kids kids can play full games and kids can be prepared for, um, you know, tough situations as the season goes on. And, you know, you look at last year and, you know, uh, you know, Frenchtown beat Dylan. Dylan beat us. We beat Frenchtown. Um, you know, and then this year we, you know, we ended up beating Dylan by, you know, 23, and then beat Frenchtown by 14. So uh, it, they're they're not real blowout type games. And every year between the three of us, as of the last three four years, it's just been a battle and a grind through here. So uh, I, I do really like the you know the chances we get to play them and win or lose, it's always going to be a good game. And I think our kids will grow and learn from the situations of, of playing that tough competition. Such a strange year with no crossover. So you've seen the entire Southwestern A, obviously. You've seen now the entire Northwestern A. But you haven't seen anybody out east. So it, how do you get your kids mentally prepared? Sometimes the mystery of the opponent can get in the way of who you're actually playing. So uh, what do you think of this matchup against Sydney? How do you go about scouting the teams out east? Yeah, it's real. It's real weird. You know, you don't you don't see a lot of them, and then they've had, you know, they ended up actually starting two or three weeks later than we did in the West, and um, you know, they've had a lot of cancellations over there. So, really weird year. You know, when you look at Billing Central's only played five games. Uh, you know, Sydney's played seven. Laurel's played six, I think. So it's like it's really weird when you think about 
how the East has gone and, and, and how it's worked out. And it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to get a good judge on a team. Uh, fortunately, we got a lot of film on, on Sydney. And, um, you know, it's a team that, you know, I've never played in my career. And Hamilton hasn't played in a long time. So it's not like we're very familiar with each other. Obviously, you know, the pedigree of, of Sydney football in the of the past and, and and then just what they do in wrestling each and every year you you know they're tough tough kids over there so uh that's what that's what we're preaching to our kids is you know they they obviously won a lot of state titles not you know back in the day and um and obviously have won a lot of wrestling titles and a lot of the kids do both so it it is a true uh tradition school that's coming over here this weekend. So we, we're trying to really prepare our kids um, in that aspect. Bryce Carver, the head coach of the Hamilton Bronx, joining us here in the Opportunity Bank Coaches Corner. Hamilton hosting Sydney in the opening round of the State A football playoffs. Noon kickoff in Hamilton. And I don't want to make this, you know, I don't want to be too hyperbolic about this, but it, it might be the case, especially if you factor in weather, that this is the toughest road trip that any high school team will have to make in the entire country this <laughs> this this weekend. When you talk about Sydney getting on a bus and driving to doggone Hamilton, uh, you know, a full almost, you know, time zone away. What, how, how big a factor is that? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, Saturday, you know what's what's crazy about Sydney is they played Friday night, then last week they made a mate played a makeup game against Lewistown on Tuesday night, and then they played Harden on Friday night, and then they got to travel over here this week. So wow. Sydney is not really yeah is not had a fun little run here um, these last couple of weeks. And when I saw found out we were playing them after Tuesday, I actually had to Google how far Sydney to Hamilton was because I was like, man, this can. I mean, I don't know if there's two. Schools farther apart, maybe in in Montana. Maybe What'd you class, come up with? What was the class. number there, Coach? God, it, it was like six fifty eight or something like that miles. Yeah, I mean it is it is eleven hours in a car. Um, you know, and, it, and it's a big factor. Obviously, we went to Miles City and played in the semifinals last year, um, and ended up losing. And you go back the year before, Miles City had to come here, and we beat them in the semifinals, and. Uh, you know, not saying anything. I think the, the better teams won in those games. But uh, when you, you know, for us, when we take that trip last year, we leave on Thursday morning, we get to Butte and practice, make it to Billings at 6 o'clock, try to eat dinner, you know, get to bed. We get up Friday morning. We drive all the way to Miles City. We don't get there till late with a practice. And you get up the morning and you got to play a noon or one o'clock game. It's, and then that night you get on a bus and start heading home. It's, it's, it's a grind when you have to stay two or three or four nights in a hotel, you got to eat, um, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 meals, not at home. Uh, you're on a bus for 11, 12, 13 hours. It, it really takes, I think mentally and physically a toll on, on the team that has to do it. And it's unfortunate that, that, what has to happen to any team, but it's just the just the world we live in with where we live. I think the only other road trip I can remember being farther than this was a couple of years back when Baker played Thompson Falls. But I think that the uh, I think the numbers about the same, about six hundred and sixty miles apart. 
it's just amazing. Well, let's talk about the game, Coach. You got uh, you guys have had a, a kind of a different identity this year than you have the last four years. I know that Tyson Rostad's been good at quarterback for you, stepping in for his brother Carson, who's now with the Montana Grizzlies, who was a four-year starter for you guys. But the rushing numbers are what really sticks out to me. You look at your guys' statistics, you got two different backs over 620 yards. You guys are averaging almost seven yards per carry as a team and rushing the ball for 200-plus each outing. What sort of priority has that been? What sort of uh, factor has that played in your guys' success? Yeah, you know, going in, I, I into the year, we returned four returning O-linemen. Um, two of them were all-state kids that have started since their sophomore year. Um, you know, and so going in, and, and, and it has nothing to do whether Carson was gone or, or Tyson came in, and I think Tyson can throw the ball just as good as, as Carson did. It just you know, we play, we've been playing into our strength of what we've been doing, um, you know, and that's kind of been our big guys up front and, and, you know, they've played a lot of games for us and, um, we knew we kind of needed to be able to run the ball this year. And, uh, you know, we kind of had a question at running back, uh, didn't know who was going to play. And we ended up getting two transfers in one from Stevensville and one from Wisconsin. Um, you know, and I think they're the same type of player. I mean, like you said, I think one has 95 carries for 620 yards and one has 90 carries for 640 yards. Um, you know, so I, I think we're, we've done a great job of balancing those guys. In my four years, we've never had two running backs. We've always gone with one guy, and I think it gives us a nice little one-two punch between the two where one, one of them's not getting beat down throughout the year. Um, and, and, what you know, we went into that Dylan game um, kind of where all this started, and had some success rushing the ball and kept the ball away from Dylan. And, uh, you know, we still like to play with our up-tempo and our speed. It just, instead of maybe whipping it around as we, as much as we have, we're, we're kind of just doing it on the ground now. And, um, fortunately been able to be successful doing it. And, you know, we're still able to have our passing game as well. I mean, we had the whitefish game through Tyson through for 350 some yards and four to five touchdowns. So it's, it's a good dynamic of, of, our offense being able to balance both out uh, right now. Coach, since you took over at Hamilton, you've really built this program into one that's been an absolutely elite one at the at the state Class A level, and you've been to you know multiple semifinals, state championship games, but haven't broken through yet and actually won the state championship. Not so much for you necessarily, but how do you go about the the psychology of that for your guys? You know that that doesn't become something that becomes you know wearisome or burdensome to them. You know, psychologically speaking. Yeah, you know, I think as a coach, it's kind of difficult um, to think of that and think of, of what, you know, kind of everyone's going through. I mean, we've lost four games in four years here, and um, two of them have been state titles, and uh, one of them was a semifinal, you know. And um, the other game was the we lost to Columbia Falls, who ended up beating us in the state title game. So, I mean, re- really, we, we've done a really good job of, um, you know, getting through our, our non-conference stuff and, um, you know, trying to get into those final games. But like you said, we do need to be able to finish the game. And, you know, when you, you, you lose a state title to a really good Columbia Falls team, you lose a state title to a really good Billing Central team, you lose a semifinal to a really good Miles City team who, you know, goes on and wins the state title. And, um you know, really, it's sometimes you can kind of accept if 
if a team's better than you and those teams are winning. I don't feel like in my four years we've lost a game, maybe one um, to Dylan last year that that we definitely you know maybe should have won. And um, it's it's hard. And our kids, the thing about our kids is every year, you know, after a tough loss, they gear back up right away and really want to go attack and and make a run at another another opportunity to win a state title. So I think our kids are hungry and. And they've got that vision. We've got a lot of kids that have played that were sophomores that played in that state title here against Billing Central. A lot of kids that played in the semifinal last year. So we got good experience with postseason play and our kids. And um, you know, we're just going to go do what we do and, and do it to the best of our ability and just accept whatever outcome uh, happens to us, win or lose. You know, Coach. Last thing for you, because rules have been different as far as fans and tickets and everything like that. At like every county, right around the state, and so just I'm wondering down, you know, Ravalli County, Hamilton area. What are the what what is the uh, situation pertaining to fans and attendance? Who can be there? Who can't be there? How many and that kind of thing for Saturday? Mm-hmm. We're gonna go with uh, MHSA's rules. They uh, laid down where every uh, suited athlete gets six tickets and every coach gets two and managers get two and uh, cheerleaders get two. And, and that's kind of what we're going to do. And um, you know, it's really hard because I was just talking to our administration team about you look back at some of the pictures of these playoff games we've had in the past where we've had 1,500, 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 people at the games. And it's just so cool and such a fun time for playoff football on Saturdays during the day. And you get all these people and, you know, it's just a bummer for these kids that, you know, I think they've kind of been shafted on just their, just the last six, seven months of just kind of their high school lives, whether it's school or being able to socialize and then, or and then going into their athletics, they're not getting these playoff experiences with all the people and the rowdiness and just the, the cool atmosphere. So we're, we're following MHSA's regulation, and it's just as I, I feel bad for the kids, these, especially some of these seniors who um, it's kind of their last run, that they're not going to get to experience the, the type of atmospheres that you know a high school kid should get to. Well, that, that is a fact, although hopefully, you know, with six six tickets for a kid and then a few other, at least you get uh, several hundred out there, and hopefully they make a, a pretty good racket on Saturday afternoon. Again, noon kickoff on Saturday on a Hamilton, first round of the Class A playoffs, Hamilton against Sydney. Bryce Carver, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Best of luck this weekend and going forward through this playoff run, all right? Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. You bet. Thank you, Coach. Bryce Carver, again, uh, thanks to him for joining us once again. Look forward to seeing uh, all the playoff games and certainly uh, Hamilton and see what they're able to do. And if maybe this is the year. I would say this. They've been a very, very good team the last several years, four or five years since Bryce Carver's been there. I don't know that they've ever been the definitive best team, the definitive number one A team in uh, or, or number one team in Class A, rather. And I think that they are that this year. I think they're they're more favored than they've ever been. In fact, I'm not sure if they've ever actually been fully favored before. There's been some really great teams in Class A, but they're the, if I may say, class of Class A uh, this season for sure. It's our Opportunity Bank Coaches Corner, Opportunity Bank of Montana, your local bank, your opportunity. I'll take a break. Top of the hour, Game 6 of the World Series is this. Is this finally the time for the Los Angeles Dodgers? We'll get into it right after this. 
Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Golter, we are about 40 minutes from first pitch at Globe Life Stadium. Globe Life Stadium in Arlington. Game six of the World Series. Looking forward to this. Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Uh, Colter. Uh, game six of the World Series tonight. Obviously, game uh, a day off yesterday for these teams. The uh, Dodgers got that game five win, which they desperately needed. Uh, they needed it even more than the Rays needed it, even though they're favored to win, I think, because of the way game four went. Tonight, Blake Snell going for the Rays, who you know I love Blake Snell, and then Tony Gonsolin for, uh, the, uh, for the Dodgers. And again, the Dodgers, I think, are going... I don't know if it's going to be a pure bullpen game, but it's going to be something along those lines. I mean, expect the very first sign of trouble to for Gonson to be out. And even if he doesn't get into trouble, I mean, maybe a couple of innings for Tony Gonson before Dave Roberts goes to, a, to his bench. For the Rays, Blake Snell has been good, not great, but he has really battled in the postseason. He was a Cy Young Award winner in 2018. He has great stuff. He has greatness in him as a pitcher. And... You're going to need it because uh, this is a team, first of all, the, uh, two-fold for the Rays, right? you got to win both. All right? Does you no good to get it now and not get it tomorrow, relatively speaking? And I know you put that off till then, but if you want to win two against this team, I think you need greatness out of Blake Snell because if you got to go to your bullpen early, even if you win the game, you are in such a tough spot tomorrow for Game 7, for a potential Game 7 if you're the Rays. So I think that Blake Snell, uh, heavy as the head that wears the crown, or in this case, the starting uh, uh, spot as a pitcher, is down 3-2 in the World Series. I have a question for you. Yes. It's a two-part question. Okay. First, what is better for baseball? The Dodgers is the World Series champion or the Rays is the World Series champion? Well, I I mean, I guess the obvious answer is probably the one I'll still go with, and that's the Dodgers winning. How come? Uh, Because, I mean, 
if you want to say, well, if they don't win, then they, you can still spin the thing that they haven't won, and it mm-hmm. goes and it goes on and on and perpetuates. That's I just true. think it also encourages more small market teams to just make a run at it. Anytime that you have it, you're hot. Well, I mean, aren't they making a? I don't understand. I mean, when would you not be making a run at it? Well, a lot of small market teams they panic when they don't think they have the assuredness to win the World Series or be in the at least league championship series, and they become buyers rather than or they become sellers rather than buyers. It's hard to know because this season was so truncated. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't think whatever happens to the Rays, good, bad, or otherwise, is going to influence any other small market team in any other season to make a decision. I think that they, you know, they you make those things in these isolated vacuums year in and year out. Uh, I think, though, that the Dodgers winning is better for baseball because obviously they have you know a wider fan base. They're uh, this major brand. It's been, what's it, 33 years, 32 years since they won their last yep. one in 88. And, you know, the ongoing thing of not winning it is, you know, the excitement of and the interest in is sort of overtaken completely by the storyline of they did do it. And by the way, then they get to return next year as what? Defending champions and have the having the Dodgers be the team that's trying to defend for 162 games and then into the postseason, presuming that they make it there, is far more story-laden and big newsy and all the things that baseball wants and frankly needs than to have the Rays be that team. Because as great as I think the Rays have been to watch, and I think anybody watching baseball has thought that, if you're talking about just the, you know, the common fan, what is what do the common fan think about Tampa Bay Rays? Worst park in America, worst stadium, you know, that's what they think. They don't think about, you know, a Rose Arena, Blake Snell, Charlie Morton. They don't think about these guys, you know, so... Uh, I think the Dodgers winning, if you're saying, well, what's better for baseball? It's the Dodgers winning is better. I hate you for showing me that Jeff Passan song. Oh, I hate God Jeff bless Jeff, Jeff Passan. Yes. Stick to reporting, buddy. Uh, second question. So it's not a two-part question. It's just two questions. Well, it's the same theme. Is it better for baseball for the series? It's obviously better when, when it goes seven games. But to me, I think that the Dodgers clinching tonight – on one hand, would mean that they triumphed over Tampa Bay's probably not even just best pitcher, best player. When you say Blake Snell, he's their most reputable player. Most certainly. reputable, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, right now, Rosarena is their best player. Yeah, but there's always a conversation about pitchers and Blake Snell's the only guy on their whole roster that anybody knew who he was before the last month. <laughs> right, yeah, probably so. It's true. <laughs> so. On one hand, if the Dodgers were to win tonight, that'd mean they'd triumph over that guy and that team. Yeah. But on the other hand, they could build drama and have this epic clinching game seven behind likely a combination of Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. I almost said Sandy Colfax. That was almost sacrilegious. Wow. Um, the and you'd have to go against who are the who are the Rays throwing tonight. Tri- Tonight they're throwing the, the Rays are throwing Blake Snell tonight. Right, 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 right. And then Charlie Morton tomorrow. tomorrow right, right. So then, so then you'd be going against Mister Game Seven, the guy who's three and zero in winner take all series in his career. Seems like that's better for baseball too. Well, it is. I mean, obviously, a Game Seven is what you want. I'm rooting for the Rays for that very reason. Uh, I would love to see a Game Seven. I would love to see the drama of a Game Seven and a drama of a Game Seven. With with this Dodgers team particularly, I mean, I think that that story is, you know, it continues to build every every minute, every day, every game that 
they haven't had the breakthrough. A um, couple of things to think about for this game. First of all, the Rays, and I, 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 I gave, uh, uh, I gave them sort of a hard time, gave them the beans yesterday, uh, particularly Tyler Glass now for not even giving the Dodgers the opportunity to be worried by giving up two runs in the very first inning and letting them, as they were hitting at the top since they were the, quote, road team. Uh, obviously, the, the Rays will be hitting first tonight. Uh, but the you know the the opportunity to be worried that they were behind or that they had to be perfect or whatever and start them to let them let the Dodgers make some mistakes on their own. Uh, but in general, the Rays have not started well throughout the course of this series. I mean, they found themselves behind and they talk. You know, you talk about oh, we're the comeback kids and we're this and that. They're that. By the way, this is the third series. In this postseason, notably, there's only four when you make it to the World Series. Third series this postseason that they have faced an elimination game. Mm-hmm. So, on the one hand, they're still here. So, shout out to them. They know what it is to play with their backs against the wall. They can do it. But also, I mean, you walk across that tightrope without a net enough times, and at some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you. You know what I mean? And, and, and you can't just be behind all the time. And if you want Blake Snell to pitch well, Get ahead, you know. Get a lead. Find a way to break through. And I'm a, I'm I'm somewhat surprised at this. Right now, the Dodgers are minus one thirty betting favorite favorites on the money line. I, I, to me, I think the Rays should be favored in this game. I, I, let me say this: the Dodgers are, I guess, always going to be favored because they are the better team. I mean, they got the deeper lineup. They got all the dudes. They got you know Mookie and they got Turner and they got you know Seager and everybody. So I understand why they're the favorite, and they're going to be the favorite in any individual game. But if there is a game where you're going to say, hey, the Rays have a great look at this thing, this is a game where the Rays, obviously they have to, but that, that they can win it, it's tonight. Because you got to find the weak link in whether it's, you know, Gosselin right off the bat or later on as you get through more and more guys. Because the big risk to me about doing, you know, these, these, these bullpen games is – any pitcher might, you know, on on an average night be good and on a great night be great. But also any pitcher on a bad night can give it up and you you risk stepping on that whammy the more pitchers you rotate through. And obviously Dave Roberts is going to have a very close eye and the instant he senses that something ain't right or it's not going well, he's just going to go to the next guy because they got that kind of depth and, uh, you know, so okay. But... My point is, is that the Rays need to find a way to get to one or more of these guys, and per, per, preferably, obviously, preferably, but early because they have been behind, and you can't just keep being behind because you will lose more than than you don't, even when you you know style yourself a comeback team. So you got to get up out in front. One thing that got sort of passed over or hasn't gotten enough publicity, I don't think, is that last game Randy Rosarina. Had, he hit a single in the third inning off Clayton Kershaw, which was his 27th hit of the postseason. That's the most Crazy. in the history of a postseason, breaking yeah. Pablo Sandoval's record set in 2014. The Big Panda had 26 hits that postseason. Now let's be, we not, have had more games, too. So we have, but, yeah. but the dude has 27 hits and nine home runs, both all-time postseason Stunning. records. It's the greatest playoff hitting performance ever. And again, there has been more games, but it's he's still just out of this world. Um, by the way, for what it's worth, the Rays against the Dodgers bullpen because Dodgers bullpen is supposed to be so great and wonderful. Dodgers bullpen's five five seven ERA 
against the Tampa Bay Rays. So, you know, it's easy to look at the lineup for Los Angeles and go, well, what do you do with that? And the answer is not much because that's, I mean, they're, it's, they're stacked. But the Rays lineup, starting with the Rosarena, but really even, you know, as as we've progressed, because they were not playing all that well. They were not, their offense was, was shaky. Uh, has been improving, especially into this World Series and specifically against the bullpen of the Dodgers. So you're going to see a lot of bullpen of the Dodgers today. That should mitigate in favor of the Rays, at least, you know, through the first five games of this series, it has. Uh, last thing here on this baseball game, Coulter, we talked a little bit about uh, the, the MVP, you know, and if the Dodgers were to win and so on. And. Clayton Kershaw was on the list, but also you and I talked pretty strongly about Mookie Betts. But it is worth noting, Corey Seager is hitting 471 in this World Series and has had some yaks. And Justin Turner actually has four more extra base hits in this. I don't know what his slugging is in this World Series, but four more than Corey Seager has in terms of extra base hits. So Seager's hitting, you know, Almost 500, and Justin Turner's just ripping the cover off the ball. And then Max Muncy, he's leading the team in RBI. He's batting 522 with runners in scoring position. So there's there's a bunch of different guys to pick from on this team if it were to happen. But I know Dodgers fans right now, you know, I mean, it's always pins and needles when you're one game away, right? But, mm-hmm. but maybe particularly when you've been the favorite, you continue to be the favorite, you haven't been able to break through, and uh, this is from a guy who knows a little something about a team with a curse. You know what I mean? And we're not close to that level with the Dodgers, so everybody just tamp it down a little bit. But look, man, a curse lasts for decades and decades and decades. But this is a team that has been the anchors of this team have been there for several years now, you know, and sure, you know, your your professional life is longer in baseball than it is in other sports, basketball, football, certainly, but there's still such a thing as a window and you never get this one back. Like even if you win the next year, you're never getting this one back. So, you know, it needs to happen at some point for the Dodgers or else it's just going to be sitting out there forever, like this dead weight. Uh, And I think that they will get it done. I don't know that it happens tonight. I think it would happen if it, it certainly could, but I, I like the Dodgers to win a game seven. Maybe that's just me rooting because I want to see a seventh game. How many World Series titles has the Dodgers franchise claimed? Well, the franchise, like going all the way back to Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. They only had two in Brooklyn. So. 1955, 1959. They moved to L.A. in 1962. And they won. I know they won in 63 in Los Angeles. And Colfax. And then they won back-to-back in 87, 88, right? Nope. Just one in eight. lost in 87. Oh, one. So is it four, or is there another one? They won in 1963, 1965. Then Sandy Colfax retired. Then they won in 1981 and 1988. So six total then. Since moving to L.A., they have won, count them up, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve National League pennants. My goodness. And only four, only four, but four World Series. Uh, for what it's worth, this is stupid. I know this is stupid. I'm just going to tell you anyway. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers have not won a World Series in Los Angeles at home since the 63 series. Mm. They are the home team tonight. Mm-hmm. And. If you've been listening, paying attention, it's 
I mean, not surprisingly, right? It's 80-20 Dodgers to Rays fans in there. You know, and it's not that like the Rays have some national following or whatever. I'd got to say, how great would it be to live in the Arlington area and just go to the World Series because it's there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that would be, wow, what a deal. Do you know any Rays fans? No, the only the only person I know who spends a lot of time, like lives half time in Tampa, is a huge Yankee fan. <laughs> and, he, and part of the draw to Tampa is that the the, uh, the spring ball, you know, down there they go to the Tampa St. Pete area, uh, evidently. So no, I don't know, I don't know any Rays fans. But honestly, if you if you did your Rolodex, Coulter, of just all thirty baseball teams. Mm-hmm. How many people could you honestly say, like, this dude is absolutely a fan, pays attention, this team? I mean, the Rays are the least liked team, though. Sure, but I mean, I'll Because they have no bandwagon fans, to my knowledge, anywhere in the country. Well, I might be the first, you know, for this. Like even for the this Rockies got some bandwagon fans during Rocktober when they went on that great run and they made it all the way to the World Series, won the pennant. All, all I'm saying is, if you're talking about legitimate fans, right, I'll bet half of the teams in, in Major League Baseball... I don't know, or at least I don't know that somebody I know is a fan of that team, like truly, you know? And part of it's geographic. Obviously, I know Rockies fans. I know Mariners fans, Cubs fans. Sadly, I know one Cardinal fan runs a great radio station. Doesn't do much else. Robert you know Chase, what's Cardinals up? Cardinals fans. Yeah, I do. I mean, and so, brothers are Cardinals you know, fans. of course, you know, Yankees fans, maybe a Mets fan, Dodgers fan, uh, voice of the Grizz. Yeah, so tell me this. Why do you think it is that sometimes you're not going when you're Royals fans when you're know when of. you're close to people, yeah, because you know them and you know their teams, you just want those teams to lose. Like all the Royals fans I know, I always want the Royals to win. But, I want those folks to be happy, and I think that Royals fans deserve to be happy, whereas all the Dodgers fans I know, I hope the Dodgers lose just so I can make fun of these guys. Yeah, I mean... I, I also think it's part of because the three people that I'm thinking of, they're all huge Dodgers fans. I know at least two of them are probably... will will have some correspondence throughout the evening if they're not listening right now, and they're uh, some of the uh, most neurotic, over-the-top, obsessed fans that I know, well, then and that, that's funny. That's the reason, and also, I mean, obviously, the Dodgers are a front-running organization with a ton of money and a great location, and the, uh, the, the, the Royals ain't. Yeah, you know? it's true. So that, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who are kind of on the raise for that very reason that aren't Dodgers fans, but there's a lot of Dodgers fans out there. Speaking of Los Angeles, I got a question for you about L.A., the L.A. area, and what I watched last night next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or 
or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Tell me one is ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. At Gus Tutel, 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. If you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast. The Tutel New Wanna's podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. You can get it all the time on uh, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Podcasts available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Uh, Coulter, I wanted to ask you, uh, last night, Rams-Bears, we watched the game. Uh, you know what stood out to me more than absolutely anything in that game, though? What's that? SoFi Stadium. Mm, the echo chamber. $5 billion to build this thing. And I'm just trying to understand why. Now, I will say... Like the roof that's like kind of translucent and does, you know, the whole roof can show different things and is kind of a picture board of lights of its own, like outside, not in the ceiling of the outside is both cool and impressive. And I'm sure a bit of a money maker. You can run advertising up there and so far and all that. And it looks great. The, the design of the stadium is phenomenal. I mean, I love the, the sort of, I don't know, spaceship kind of thing that it's got going on. I know that they, you know, they built this thing to be, you know, of course, the best, you know, the latest and greatest one, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I still am trying to understand like $5 billion. You know, sometimes we talk about these figures, these money figures, and they're just so big that they don't even register. You know what I mean? But I mean, I think that the new Raiders stadium in Vegas was like, you know, $500 $500 million, $600 million. I have to look that up, so don't quote me on that. But even if it was a billion dollars, I mean, what was five times greater about SoFi than a brand new Allegiant Stadium in Vegas? Well, I mean, now you're talking about state economies and politics more than all. No, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about any of that. You always talk about that. I'm not talking about any of that. Is the real estate market higher in Southern California than it is in Vegas? Yes, it is. Right. So but every, it's still just the ground. I know, but it's not because the stadium's five times better. It's because it's in a place that's five times more expensive. No, there's no chance that Los Angeles is five times more expensive than Vegas. It, well, I mean, I think it really comes down to what the public funding is like because Nevada has more state money than any state in the union because of the casinos. And so then where's the money come from? How much? I mean, what did you pay for the land? How much did the goods cost to build the stadium? Regardless... The SoFi Stadium is, it, it's supposed to be, I think that what you see 
for a football game is only a small part. Very of it. small. That's right. And I think, you know, it's it's got you, you saw on the outside, you know, you got the water. You know, it's probably a pool, a hundred square foot pool is about fifty million dollars in, in Los Angeles, right? Because you know, water's like water's like a hundred hundred thousand dollars a a a cubic foot, right? Isn't that what they pay? Something like that. It's like six hundred bucks for a bottle of water in, in, in Los Angeles. Anyway, uh, you know, you got the pools and I think that, you know, if the stadium's five billion, I don't understand it. If the complex, which I'm my understanding is that this thing is supposed to have, and I haven't done the whole tour, but like, you know, office buildings, apartments, restaurants, different, you know, you know, public transit, of course, and everything like that. So that is the thing that I'm trying to understand. It's right next door to the old forum. Uh, I believe the forum was purchased, but I don't know that that's part of this cost. No. So I, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's 298 acres that the entire complex is on, and it also features real retail, commercial office space, like you mentioned, hotels, residential units, outdoor parking spaces. It, I don't know what the definition of this exact line is, but I'm on the SoFi Stadium website. It says, mm-hmm. this is the first indoor-outdoor stadium to ever be constructed. I don't know what that means, but that's why it costs $5 billion, well, whatever that means. Yeah, you know, but And if you're including the cost of the construction of all the hotels, you know, places to stay, Places to eat, places to conduct business, making it its own little community on this 300-acre lot. You know, now I'm starting to see it a little bit more. But a stadium? Come on now. We're splitting the cost between two NFL franchises as well in the arguably most important media market in the country. Yeah, but you're not, though. I mean, the Chargers are just a tenant. Didn't they have to help pay for it? I don't think so. Really? Who, who owns? Who's the, the Cronky? Right? Yeah. Stan Cronky? No, yeah. it's his his deal. Hmm. He also owns. Well, I don't know how much public Eastgate Shopping Center in Missoula, if I uh, understand it correctly. So random, the out of state money. If I was him, you know what I would do? I would take the whole thing and I would turn it 180 degrees, face the river for crying out loud! Why you got the alley facing the Clark for? <laughs> Terrible construction job on that. We have actually seen. It's actually hilarious to think about the, the the prevalence of hype that comes with the Los Angeles media market. Because while it's not New York City, I think in the modern era, in today, twenty twenty, Los Angeles is a much more desirable place for professional athletes to live than New York City is. There's obviously the the allure of the Big Apple for sure, but just from a pure weather standpoint, sure, and from a point of origin standpoint too. I mean. Northeast is is old America compared to Los Angeles, and so I think there's just a bigger allure. The, oh, go ahead. The Los Angeles Lakers, though, have won 12 championships since moving to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers have not won a championship since in 32 years. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the Rams and the Chargers have never won a Super Bowl. Well, the Rams, I guess the Rams, the Rams have, have won. Yeah, sure. Well, they didn't win when they were in L.A. the first time, right? I don't know with Eric Dickerson, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I here I, I will say. That. I guess what I'm asking you is, yeah. do you think that there's ever a? Ch- I mean, will a, a Super Bowl championship elude the city of Los Angeles, or is it possible to build a Super Bowl champion? There? Well, no. I mean, they already had a team in the dang Super Bowl. You know, shouldn't have been. Granted, should have been New Orleans, but they were there. I think that the Los Angeles. Do you want to do it or what? Breaking news, the New York Jets trade Quinn and Williams, former number three overall pick out of Alabama, to the Arizona Cardinals. Woo! 
Best big pickup for the Cardinals. Best man. division in football, bro. Uh, I still think the AFC North's better, but they're coming. It's not even close. Man, the Steelers might not even win that division, and they would pound the Seahawks or the Cardinals. Stop. Um, I bet you whatever amount of money you want that the uh, Super Bowl winner does not come out of the NFC West. This, I said the best division in football is know, in it's the because you like NFC West and other dumb things. That let's start this. What's the worst division in football? The NFC North. <laughs> You're Three terrible teams. It's the NFC East. Four terrible teams. Mm, that's right. I forgot that they're in the pro football oh, ranks. Crying out loud. Point. But the worst team is the Jets. The best team doesn't have to be in the best division. The worst team doesn't have to be in the worst division. Don't confuse your arguments and straw man me. You've been watching too many debates. It's too telling me what we'll see you tomorrow. All of Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.